0: Hello and welcome to another MLex podcast. I'm Sam Wilkin, Brussels News Editor, and today we're going to talk about Nord Stream 2. The planned pipeline from Russia to Germany made headlines last week after coming into Donald Trump's crosshairs, but it's been controversial since long before then. To find out why, I'm joined today by Emily Waterfield, our senior energy correspondent here in Brussels. Hello, Emily. Hi, Sam. Emily, what's what's the plan? What is Nord Stream 2 and why is it so controversial?
1: Well, simply speaking, Nord Stream 2 is, is a pipeline, a gas pipeline, that would bring an extra 55 billion cubic metres of gas from Russia to the EU to Germany, roughly along the route of an existing pipeline called Nord Stream. Gazprom's the only shareholder, sole shareholder and it's also covering half the cost, but the other half is covered by five uh eu energy companies we have Engie for france we have shell so for the uk and the netherlands omv for austria vintage and unipar for germany the first controversy that we we got there are a lot that which we will will cover in this in this talk but the first question was what will this do to ukraine uh, at the moment um the eu gets about a third of its gas from russia and about half of that comes through ukraine ukraine and russia obviously are at war or have been at war and Ukraine is very nervous about what the pipeline is going to do. There was an EU-Ukraine summit in July, where the President again called on the EU to stop construction of the pipeline. He said, for instance, I mean, there were lots of quotes, but he said, it's not an economic project, it makes no sense from an economic point of view, it's a project to make Ukraine weaker, it would take 20 billion dollars from the EU to build a project the EU doesn't need. And then back in June, the Ukraine had said, um, this is a new kind of hybrid weapon. So Ukraine is very worried, and so is the EU for that reason.
0: So the concern presumably is that Russia will be able to send gas to Europe through an alternative route and thereby won't rely on Ukraine anymore?
1: Uh, Yeah, it could be that extreme that it just stops using the Ukraine route. It also, it just gives it a very convenient political tool to say, look, we've got this new pipeline, at the moment we need you, but we don't necessarily, so do what we want.
0: Right, understood. Looking at this pipeline, it's there's a bit of deja vu because Russia sort of dropped other plans a few years ago to, to build a pipeline to Europe. Is this gonna happen again or is Russia behind this project more strongly?
1: Well, they they did. I mean it's not very long ago, the end of twenty fourteen, that Russia very suddenly dropped plans to build another pipeline known as South Stream. They don't have very original names here, but they're they're very easy to remember. <laughs> Um, it was, I think it was December, end of the year 2014, Putin just said, actually, we're not doing this, and very openly blamed the EU, said the EU was obstructing, making it impossible. And then you know, if we think Ukraine's being paranoid now, you just look at poor Bulgaria in 2014, it spent millions on the infrastructure that would have been needed for South Stream, and suddenly realised no pipeline, no compensation. So imagine how those, those EU investors are feeling, are feeling today. It's not, it's not a stable environment to be investing in. Um, Russia says it won't do this again, but if you'd asked in November 2014, they'd have said we won't do this. It's, um, I spoke to Gazprom officials in 2014 who said even they'd been surprised by the decision. It really came out of, came out of nowhere.
0: And yet some of the biggest backers within the EU for, for Nord Stream two seem to be in Germany, which which is where the pipeline is going and which presumably is going to bear some of the cost for constructing it. So they seem to be they seem to believe that it's gonna go ahead.
1: Well, so did Bulgaria. I mean so did everyone till the end of twenty fourteen. It was it wasn't an easy project South Stream, but no one really thought that the president or whether he was prime minister or president, then I think he was president at the time. It was that incarnation. They didn't expect him to turn up and go. Actually, no, we we are not going to do this. You make it hard. We won't. We won't do it.
0: And just coming back to the the controversy within the EU, um, obviously you know, Ukraine very opposed. Sort of some other countries in Central and Eastern Europe, particularly Poland, um, has voiced its its opposition. But there's a lot of support as well, as you said, notably from Germany. How does this interact with? Well, I mean, it appears to conflict, doesn't it, with Germany's plans to uh, increase its share of renewables in its energy generation and also reduce its dependence on on Gazprom and on Russia for for gas and for energy.
1: Yeah, with German plans and with EU plans, I mean, we're supposed to be, as a bloc of 28, reducing our dependence on Russian gas, on gas, on fossil fuels, and particularly on Russian gas. Uh, So it it really stretches those policies to their limits. Um, and it, it, it raises, it shows this central problem with a lot of EU regulation, which is that we're supposed to be moving towards making decisions as one, but energy is still mainly a national competency. So on Nord Stream, the Commission has said to countries, it's made it very clear it doesn't like the plan, but has said, this is up to national governments, there's actually nothing we can do. We can recommend that you don't approve it, but we can't stop you from approving it. And then on Germany specifically, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, the leaders for climate policy, they're the, the, the most vocal country for switching to renewables. But if you look at what's happening in the country, it's not—it's not going well. They have very ambitious targets, which the government admits it's going to miss. It can not can't do this. It buys more Russian gas than any other member state, and also on coal. It's um, there was a WWF report a couple of years ago showing that Germany spends more money on coal projects than any other member state, including Poland they're spending seven billion a year on coal so Germany is trying and doing extremely well but not it's not the the green country that you might think at a glance.
0: Right, and of course, you know, coal being so much more polluting, even even in gas, then actually getting this pipeline up and running would be a way for Germany to reduce its emissions if it yeah. can can get rid of some of that coal. And um, obviously that's something it's struggled with since it started phasing yeah. out its its nuclear power.
1: Well, and that's what the EU says as well. It says, OK, if we have to have a fossil fuel, we need something to plug the gaps left by renewables. Gas is better than coal. And for now, that means Russian gas, really.
0: And if we look inside Germany, I know it's not it 's not been without criticism in Germany, including from some some people in government or, or coalition partners um, and we you know we also know Angela Merkel's grip on power is perhaps not what it once was, so is she going to keep supporting it? do you think or or is it possible that she could uh, lose power and, and a future chancellor could come in who who might oppose it who' take a different view
1: Merkel's very interesting actually because we always see her and she is as the great mediator the great diplomat she's She's um, struck coalitions with very unlikely partners. At EU summits, she will hold out till the bitter end, but she can give way when it makes sense. She really is the the diplomat par excellence. But she's also... We think that Putin and Trump are the ones who take the unilateral, unexpected, unpopular decisions. She's capable of doing that. I mean, uh, most obviously now, you think her decision to welcome a million immigrants to Germany... Which is a decision she made very much from the heart, but is causing her real problems now with voters. But also her decision to shut down the nuclear power plants, which was a decision she made following pressure from voters, and that was not popular with investors, with neighbouring countries. So she can she can be as just as unpredictable or as unexpected as uh, as your Putin's and your Trumps. So I wouldn't I wouldn't I think anything's possible with Merkel. I really do.
0: So M- Merkel and and Germany, obviously the seems to be the main actors to, to watch in terms of Nord Stream, but let's assume for the moment that she, La Merkel and Germany do do stay the course, continue to support Nord Stream too. Um, within the EU and within the legal mechanisms, is there anything that can stop the pipeline happening or is it simply a matter of time?
1: It is now up to countries rather than to the Commission. They they had there have been various legal opinions from the Commission. And the most recent one said, actually, there are no real legal grounds to oppose this. But a country could. All the countries that needed to approve construction within the EU, which was Finland, Sweden and Germany, they've all said fine. The one that hasn't is Denmark. And surprisingly, Denmark could stop this. Denmark has recently passed law that makes it possible to block the construction of the pipeline on security grounds. So they could go with that. And they have held off approving construction so far. They might approve it tomorrow, but they haven't done that yet. So you've got Putin and Trump and Merkel. You've got all these big energy investors, but Denmark could be the, the David that, that stands up to Russia's Goliath in this one.
0: And is it only the the countries that are directly involved that need to approve it, or does it need to go to an EU vote more generally? It doesn't
1: need an EU vote, no. It just needs, it needs approval for construction with those four member states, and three of them have already done it
0: understood and of course we'll we'll keep watching it closely that is all we've got time for today you've been listening to emily waterfield and me sam wilkin let's say goodbye now to emily and just before i sign off please do look for related coverage on the same web page as this podcast And if you want to hear more from our reporters around the world subscribe to our podcasts on your preferred platform bye for now